You're listening to the Down the Pub podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. We are joined by former Valor uh, midfielder Nico Galvis. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Really excited. And we're also joined by Chris and Carlos, as usual. Welcome back to the show, guys. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Nico, for being part of the show. We'll appreciate your time. So, uh, Nico, uh, you're actually down in Colombia right now. What's going on down there? Well, same thing as you. Like, COVID hit hard here, and we still have a lot of restrictions. They actually got lifted up, like, about a week ago. Before, it was very strict. I wasn't going out at all. I was just going to my gym. That was like a friend of mine that had like a private gym and then literally just stayed home. And it made it hard to go back to Canada at the beginning. And then once the CPL started and everything, I wasn't able to go back. I just decided to stay here for good. But it's still tough here. Then I mean, in Canada, you guys have a lot of – it's a lot lighter there, I guess. Like everyone's taking it a lot lighter. The government's taking it a lot lighter. Here, it's very aggressive and there's been a lot of – a lot of complications here in Colombia for the pandemic. So, um, what have you been doing? Uh, obviously, you finished up with Valor. Like, so what have you been doing to stay fit? And I saw that you're doing like a, a vlog now. So, where did that come about from? Well, I started the YouTube channel just because I was training so much on my own that I wanted to. I started also started a Herbalife business, so I wanted to do um, a vlog just to literally what I'm doing this whole time because I don't have a team right now. So I just want to vlog everything that I'm doing to stay fit for next season, what I'm eating, um, the kind of things I'm doing here in Colombia because a lot of people want to see Colombia and I'm sure a lot of people want to get to know it. So I've just been doing it for that reason. Yeah. It's a, I, I've watched an episode or two and it's been kind of, kind of fun. Uh, Carlos, far away there, man. I'll need to check it out. Um, make sure you're making some arepas there. See, I, or something like that. I don't need too many arepas. I, Carlos, I did, I did my homework. I checked it out. So. <laughs> it's okay. No, but, um, Nico, thanks again for, for, for agreeing and being part of uh, Down the Pod. Uh, my first question for you is, um, I noticed that uh, you started young playing for the academies in Once Caldas and in Colombia. Then uh, you had a lot of experience in Uruguay in the youth yeah. development system, which Uruguay, it's well known for being a factory, kind of like what it's kind of Netherlands in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uruguayans is kind of like they produce players for any kind of team, any kind of league. They're so competitive. They're very into what it's called the baby football. Yeah. Um, they started with their, like, you know, I'm from Peru, so we'll just learn how to play, like, in the streets and just, like, very amateur. But, like, in Uruguay, they teach everybody to play baby football and start being competitive since they were, like, four or five and that's yeah. how it's kind of like transmitted in the national squad and how they're very competitive in Copa Libertadores and, and the World Cups. Uh, my question to you is, um, Colombia has a very style, a style that I like. I'm from Peru, so we kind of like have a similar style, you know, like very, like the ball on the ground, very, you know, very skillful, very technical. Um, moving to Uruguay, um, how that helped you? Do you think that you combine the Colombian Uruguayan style, because those are two styles that are very appealing for the world of football. I think that in Uruguay, the style of play is a lot different to Colombia. It's I more think rough. Yeah, it's very physical. And I think because it's such a small country, I forget how many people there are, but it's a very small country. So the players are hungry to get out. Like 
I met so many players that are just starving and just going to practice and that's all they care about. That's what I loved about Uruguay. Because here in Colombia, you obviously see that because it's a second world country, maybe third world country, but there you see it from everybody. Everyone just eats, sleeps soccer. Like I could say Colombia does that too, but I give it that all the way to Uruguay. And I loved it. I met a lot of guys. It's very aggressive and the refs are very, like they call a lot of fouls. They're very aggressive and the refs still call a lot of fouls. So it's very stop and go, stop and go, stop and go, which I don't like, but I love the hunger for players. It's just, it's great to see. Do you think that um, develop and kind of like pull you, uh, what the, the soccer player that you become by playing in Uruguay for a while? Do you, do you think that it was a, a great decision for you to move there and how that move came, came across your life? I think to me, when I went to Uruguay, uh, the coach that I was playing with there in Defensores Sporting, They, he actually made me play a lot of left back. And that was the yeah. first time I ever played left back. So I think it helped me in the basis that I helped me become a better defender and understand the rules from the back. Because before that, I never touched left back. I was always a striker of midfield. So it was different. That's, it, was, it was different to play left back, especially in Uruguay that is so physical. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was 14 years old. So it wasn't like the... Um, the new left back that goes all the way up and comes back, you know, it was still the left back that just goes maybe halfway, covers a lot, doesn't go all the way to the corner, stuff like that. So it was, it was good for me in a defensive role, but also kind of bad because I wasn't attacking as much. And I kind of lost that. I could have learned, I think, a lot more attacking-wise in Uruguay than I did defensively. But defensively, I still take it away. And Defensor Sporting, is, it, it's a good club. Like, I mean, you have your two giants that are Nacional and Peñarol, but Defensor Sporting is like Plaza Colonia, like uh, Danubio. The, it's just kind of I like mid-table. They're, they're like top three, top four. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're very good. Go for not it, Chris. <laughs> not recently, but they're doing good. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> true. Back to your beginnings, brother. How, uh, how did you end up in Canada? I mean, you were, like um, Carlos said, you're at, how do you pronounce it? Uh, Once Caldas. Oh, Once Caldas. Yeah. Okay, I'm not. I'm not bad. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. So, so how how did you end up in Canada? I mean, you were already in a well-established academy. Is it just a family situation, or just kind of give us a little bit of your background? I think at that age, I was six years old when I like I started there when I was three, and then I ended when I was six. And I mean, at that age, you don't really know what you want to do. I mean, I knew I was playing in Once Caldas, but I didn't know how big the club was and what it was. You know. And if it was the best choice for me at that time, it was kind of just my sister went on an um, exchange program when she was 20 years old and she was in university and she went to Pennsylvania, Allentown um, in the States. And my family wanted to go with her to live in the States. So later on, she got her um, residencyship and she had a kid there, my nephew. And so it was mostly because of that. So my family wanted to go and obviously they're not going to leave me behind. So they thought the best... <laughs> The best option for me was to go live in Canada, to live in the States first. And then after a year, we made a move to Canada. But I guess that's what they wanted for me. Obviously, they didn't know that I was going to fully have a career in soccer and that I wanted to play professionally and that I was going to love it. Now, looking back, in a way, I love that I went to Canada and I owe everything to Canada. But it would have been nice to grow up in the system here in Ontacandas. It would have been nice to know what that, what that would have been like. Maybe it would have been a bit different. Maybe I wouldn't have played soccer anymore. But I don't regret it at all because Canada's a great country and they did so much for me and my family. So, 
So when you came up here, you were playing for Oakville, and uh, we've been talking a lot the last couple of years how League One Ontario and uh, the the league in Quebec they've they've done really well to supply players to the Canadian Premier League and the USL and, and Europe as well. So um, I, you pretty much spent your entire youth career there. So I guess just talk about Oakville, some, some of the coaches, your teammates, the experience, and um, your thoughts on League One Ontario. Like, do you think that it has a peak, or do you think that it's going to end up finding a professional level similar to the Canadian Premier League. I don't want to talk that pyramid business on this show, but yeah, no, yeah. But I don't know. The league one is really good. I played for Woodbridge for a bit. I played like a couple months, literally just a couple months. Um, but I played, I think it was three months because I came back to Columbia to play. But uh, for Oakville, when I was younger, it was really good. I played for a men's team. I played under Rafael Carvajal. He used to be the assistant coach for the Canadian national team. And he was the one who brought me to Uruguay too. So I really owe him a lot. He really taught me a lot. Um, but the Oakville times were short. They were just a couple months with the men's team, but I mostly played growing up. I played for Burlington and I played for softly in Hamilton. So you were in Hamilton. I, I actually, when I, when I was doing a little bit of background checking on you a while ago there, I saw that you did. So how long were you in Hamilton for? I think my time was mostly in Hamilton and then uh, Burlington. Oakville was short. Oakville was three, four months. Like in the summer, I played with the men's league. But that I was like four, 15 at, 14 at the time when I played that men's team. But my whole life was literally softly and then Burlington for two years. That was OYSL. But softly was since I was 12 years, 12 years old to 15. Yeah, to 15. So it was long. So my whole time was pretty much there. I owe a lot to softly. And I saw that you were at Niagara for a year before I pass it back to Anthony. So was it because you were in the area, like the really close to that school? So scouts wouldn't have to travel too far across the border to come see you play. I, I know you were only there for a year, I think, or two. Um, yeah. So like, I mean, was it a success? Was it just something that, you know, maybe you wanted to move on from it? Like kind of talk about that because it's a, it was kind of a surprise to read about. Yeah, it was, I was going to go to Uruguay right after I finished high school. That was the plan. I was going to go back to different sort of sporting. And something happened that I wasn't able to go. So I needed a fallback plan. So I decided to go to university for a year because they saw me play with Burlington. And they offered me a pretty much a full scholarship. And they offered, and my grades were good to there. I did my SATs just in case I had to go to school. So oh, that was tough, man. <laughs> Anytime anybody talks about it, I'm like, no, 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 not for me. Not for I me. studied so much. I had a tutor and everything. It was hectic. <laughs> what did you study? For what? For university? You, yeah. National business. Okay, cool. Because yeah. when you started the blog thing, I was wondering if you had like maybe a journalism or a media background, but that's okay. actually really interesting. Yeah. So like, did you, did you finish your degree or, or is it something that you're going to look to fulfill? Um, I think I want to I finish it, but I'm not sure about international business. Maybe something short for a business, but I want to do something with coaching for it, but I really want to get my license. So I want to start coaching and I want to get to the highest level as possible after my career as a soccer player. So that's what I'm looking forward to. But back to your other question with school. So I did a year in school because I wasn't going to Uruguay. So I did that year mm -hmm. and I actually ended it short in second semester because in Uruguay called me and they said, Hey, if you like, if you want to come, uh, you can come now. So literally I had a decision to make. I was, I liked international business, but it just wasn't doing it for me. And the university was great. I wanted to stay, but just the course I was taking wasn't doing it for me. And I really wanted to play soccer. So I was just, you know what, let's just drop this. I'll do it another time. I wasn't wasting a lot of money. So it was easy to make the decision. 
So I just packed my bags and went to Uruguay like a week after I left school. Your ambition, man. Like you're a young guy, but your ambition, man, it's there. So yeah, geez, go ahead, Anthony. I want to do a lot oh, of things. Straight up, brother. Straight up. Like, International business, professional soccer player. It's kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, you ended up um, um, playing back in Colombia, I think, right? And for Deportivo Pereira. I'm, I'm going to butcher it, Pereira. Um, what, what was that experience like before you came back to Canada? It was great. That was be- um, right before I had my time with the international, like with the Canadian international team, um, national team, sorry. And um, we... It was in June, and right after that, I went to I came to Deportivo Pereira to play in second division. Thank you. And I played the 2017-2018 league, and it was good. It was a lot different. I my dad had a lot of uh, spent a lot of time in Pereira, so it was one of his teams that he always cheered for and everything. So it was really good to be That's there. Awesome. And I have a lot of family from my um, mom's side that lives there. So it was really good to see them again after so many years of that being in Canada. I think it was like 15 years. So it was a good experience family-wise and soccer-wise because it was nice to get known in Colombia as a player here and being from Canada. And so like everything, the whole news talked about it, that I was a Canadian player coming from Colombia. My whole story leaked here in Colombia. So it was really nice to see a lot of my hometown friends come see the games. It was more of a family vibe, I think, because in Canada – I don't have a lot of family. I only have my immediate family and my brother who just moved there. What, what, was, the, uh, what was the style of play like in, in Colombia when you went back? Was it, as Carlos says, rough as hell or was it um, really? No, it's more, it's more calm. It's more you have the ball, you, uh, you work the ball around the defense, you work it through the middle. It's no kick and run like in England. <laughs> and so, but I like it. I like it. It's yeah. style of play that I've always wanted to play. And the number 10 role is really important. So it was nice for me. And I just, I like played a lot on the wings too, but it was nice. I like the style of play of Colombia. They are number 10, I think, in the league right now, Deportivo Pereira. In the Deportivo Pereira, they actually went up to first division last year. Yeah. And now they're playing in first division. I think they're eighth right now. Oh, they're eighth. Yeah, yeah. they're good. Yeah, because there are like 20 teams, I think, in the whole. Yeah, they're right on their own Caldas, I'm pretty sure. That's good. Is that, because, is that because you played for them and you started a foundation? <laughs> <laughs> they just built on you being there um, yes. <laughs> so um, what, what made you then decide like obviously you're playing around your family all that kind of stuff what made you decide to come back to Canada then and play in Winnipeg they must have like offered you a million pounds or something to move from <laughs> from there to go to Winnipeg I don't know about millions of pounds <laughs> somewhere else if it was a million <laughs> I think that the whole story came out of the CPL right I think every player is going to tell you the same story that they heard from a little bird that the CPL was starting and all of these players were playing in different other parts of the world and maybe they could they maybe they were going to get a better contract or maybe they wanted to play back home or maybe they wanted to do this for me, I got hurt. I, um, it was my um, fifth metatarsal that I broke in my foot. So I had surgery during when the second, when the second um, year for my team was going to start for Deportivo Pereira, like my second year with them. And I was recovering that whole time, and the new coach that came, they didn't want to renew my contract. So I kind of had a decision to make, and then with the CPL and everything, I was going to go to another team in Colombia. But... Um, I liked the, the thing that I was going to go play in Canada and play back home. And I was in Winnipeg, so I wasn't close to my family. But it was nice to be in Canada again and just speak English. So I took it more of a, a route that I could 
be back home for a little bit before I can come back to Colombia or play somewhere else. And also I met Rob in Punta Cana because I went to Punta Cana for vacation and I also went, I heard he was going to be there to watch some players play, to watch the teams play, to get some Dominican players. Other Colombian players came, Ecuadorian players, Mexican players. And in that game, I think it was the final game we were playing, I scored three goals and I played really well. So that's when Rob reached out to my agent and he was like, hey, I want him to come to Valor. So we talked on the phone, we talked on um, FaceTime and he just, he sold me on the decision. So I went to Winnipeg, never been to Winnipeg. I don't think I've ever said Winnipeg in my life growing up. <laughs> and, but to be honest, I loved it. It was nice. It was a nice city. I really like Winnipeg. I'll go back even if I'm not playing there. So, so you, you weren't as a little kid in Colombia going someday I'm going to make it to Winnipeg? Yeah. Far <laughs> away, Carlos. Uh, yeah. So this is more... Um, with all your experience, you know, in, in the Uruguayan and Colombian game, when you went to um, the CPL, what, it was what you expected because um, you were like, you had experience also playing for Canadian League One Ontario. Uh, when, when you were there and, and you start training, um, did they uh, want you, do you think that, let me rephrase this, do you think that, because um, that Canadian style is a little bit, like physical as well. Yeah. Um, do you think that uh, though that experience playing for many, not many years, but for a little bit in Uruguay help you to your adaptation to, to the Canadian game? I think so. I think that physically wise, I'm not, I mean, I'm not a big guy, but mm -hmm. also I think when we refer to like the Canadian style of play, we're referring more to the MLS, I say TFC, mm -hmm. Vancouver, White yeah. Cup, Montreal. I don't think that CPL is the same as the MLS physically. Mm -hmm. I think it's still, it still shies off a little bit. But mm -hmm. I think that some players that come from MLS teams or have played in the MLS really bring that physicality to the game. Mm -hmm. So it's nice. And I think I adapted well because I was in Uruguay a long time. Mm -hmm. So I think I'll never go into a light tackle. I don't think – I don't believe in light tackles. So, But I think that everything is just – I don't know if you guys saw the Forge game. I literally got rocked by the by it even like was a photo and it came out as like the best photo in like Hamilton or something. Mm -hmm. And I got rocked because I don't understand. Like I, I just want to go 100% to every ball, even if I'm gonna get knocked out. So, and that's what <laughs> happened. I, like, I didn't. I like fell and it literally was like this for two seconds. But is is it Lagarro Uruguay? You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, another question for you is um um. We're, we're from Halifax, so we had, um, well, obviously, we're a Wanderers fan, you can see. Like, Chris has a big flag, Anthony, too, you know? And um, we got uh, Luis Alberto Perea, you know? Um, oh, yeah. The son of, the son of uh, Coroncoro. Um, yeah. Do you guys get a chance to meet each other, talk each other, you know, last, last season for the CPL? Yeah, we had, well, our mutual friend was our agent. Um, oh, mm -hmm. So we met, well, at the Halifax grounds. Mm -hmm. uh, when we played against them, but I also met him in, I think, I think it was in Halifax. We went to get coffee mm -hmm. and I was with him and, um, I forget it. Oh, Gutierrez. Gutierrez. Diego, yeah. Juan Diego. Yeah, I, met, I met him too. So he kind of introduced us because we were all connected through the, through our agent. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I got to talk to him. I talked about a little bit about the game pretty much. Didn't talk to him about like Colombia and everything. 
Mm-hmm. But um, he's a big dude, and he was great. He was doing great. I think he had an injury of his hand. I think right. Yeah, he did. Yep. Yeah. So I think he wasn't playing that game that I played in Halifax. But we talked a little bit, but not much. But great guy. Now that you are um, uh, like living in Colombia, like it must be. I know COVID kind of like shaked the whole world for everybody, and you know, unfortunate circumstances. You you gotta be there. You're you're doing your blog, which is so good for you. Um, would you ever consider? Because I know Uruguay has the less cases in all South America. I think. Um, would you consider just like maybe? Uh, give it a try, you know, like to Danubio or something like that, like going back to your Uruguayan roots? And I would love to. I think it was mm-hmm. more the fact if it's the right path at the right time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm 23 now, so the contracts and the way I want to play is a lot different than when I was 18 and 17, right? So now it's more looking towards where I'm going to develop my best and where I'm going to be looked at as a, not a veteran player, but also not as a rookie player, as a player that wants to fill the team, wants to help out the team, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's more in those kind of lines that I would go back there. So it really depends on the contract and the kind of confidence the coach has in me. That's great. Um, in, and last question before I pass it to Chris. Um, the CPL started now in 2020. They're playing in... in Prince Edward Island, which is a kind of like four-hour drive and a half for Halifax. It's kind of like they're doing the bubble there. Um, I, I don't know if you've been following the, the the Canadian Premier League, but I just wanted to know what are your thoughts in this in this new season? Like, is there any team that caught your eye, um, your ex-teammates? Well, I think – I honestly – thought Pacific had a very good chance. Bustos mm-hmm. is killing it at Pacific. I think he should get MVP of the whole tournament. He's doing great. Uh, obviously, I was going for Valor. Rob, he did a lot for me, so I was really hoping. I think they did very well. I think after yes. the first game, after the first game, I was a little scared and shocked, but you can kind of see that they weren't finding their feet. But I think after that, they did amazing. I think they, they shot everyone up that was talking about them on One Soccer and everything. I think that they owe them a lot of respect. And a lot of my friends that were there, Oheen, Gutierrez, all those guys, Garcia, they did a, they did amazing. And I think they had a couple injuries too. So even to those, uh, I think their left back got injured, who was one of their top players. Their hamstring, literally the first game. And I think who played left back? I think it was Levi's or something. I think. Yeah, um, like he got he got great. injured. He got against us. I think that was the match against Halifax that he pulled the hamstring. He pulled his yeah. hamstring and then he came back yeah. on. Um, and pulled up like two minutes later. I felt so sorry for the guy. Yeah, he was a was, great player. Yeah. So fast on that win. Honestly, I think that for me, I wanted Valor to do very good, and I thought yeah. Pacific was going to take it, to be honest. But I guess now it's down to Halifax and um, Forge, and I want Halifax to win because I know the coach, and I know Louis Belanguiet on that team, so I hope he does yeah. very well. So uh, honestly, I'm cheering for Halifax. Go for it, Chris. <laughs> you have yeah, to say that. <laughs> <laughs> we, when, we were, when we were talking a couple of months ago there, um, just kind of trying to find out where you were at, because like I told you, you were kind of one of my favorite players to watch last year from one of the, opponent, one of the opponents, if you will. Um, you said that you knew Steven. So when you were working with the Canadian national team, was it with Steven? Because I know Steven didn't actually um, manage the team during that Gold Cup, but was he part of your process of being a part of the Canadian national team? No, I met him in um, in Punta Cana. He went down there too. Yeah, he was down there with Rob. And 
um, Jimmy Brennan. He, they were all down there at the exact same time, or I think he came a little bit. But I met him there, and we talked a lot, so I got to know him really well. But I was never with him in the international. Okay, cool. Well, so that's a, the segue to my question about your time with the national team. You ended up camping up with those guys, and, and I mean, it's the best of the best in the country. What was it like pretty much playing at the highest level, I guess, in your career um, against guys that are playing in, in the top divisions all over Europe? And what was it like kind of being part of a selection process of sorts? I know that a lot of people say you kind of feel like a piece of meat on a field, but um, other people say it's an experience that takes them to the next level. So I guess just kind of summarize your national team experience and, and if you aspire to get back there. Well, so going into it, obviously you're super excited and you want to be, at, you dream about being in the national team. And especially because I was never with the U20s or U17s, I went straight to the, the men's national team. And to see guys like Junior Hoylet, Alfonso Davies was there, but it was his first camp too. Um, Kyle and all those guys. It was very inspiring and it made me, I mean, it makes you think of where you can go because those guys are there. And so talking to those guys, learning from them, playing with them, training with them, it was a great experience. But as in my international, like my first camp, I still, I obviously count it and I love it. And I, and I think it was the best um, moment in my life soccer wise but I want to I want revenge I want to go back I want to make a better impact so I don't count it as my first camp I think it was a little glimpse of everything I think once I have my first camp and I get a cap and I'm doing better I think that'll be my first experience with them right now it's like a little blink of a little flash of just a taste of what it is but obviously I don't take it for granted I met a lot of guys it was nice to see Alfonso Davies and the stuff he's doing now so I think Overall, it was a great experience, but there's still much work to be done. So hope to be hope to be back soon. Uh, back to Valor. Um, you were just talking about Bustos. Uh, aside from our guy, Akeem the Dream, I think he is a lock for MVP. The way they were talking in the chat about Becker versus Garcia. But I think some people might look at Bustos and say it's him. Um, and you also talked about Louie, who you've been fascinated with his uh, the evolution of his game over the last couple of weeks. He's not the uh, the pinpoint accurate passer he was last year. He's more of a aggressive style type of player. Um, and, and another guy that we didn't really get to see a lot of this year was Michael Petrasso, who was one of my favorite players as well last year. So I guess just give us a little bit about working with the three of those guys. And, uh, you know, they, they were three of the best players last year. And like I said, two of them have done another good account for themselves this year. So just day to day with with those guys. No, it was fun. We had a lot of laughs, a lot of good times in the change room. But I think uh, they all have great dedication to the game. I think Louis was – Louis Bustos, Petrasso, they were always first ones in, last ones out. Louis was always there stretching, doing his stuff. Bustos was always staying in tip-top shape. Um, Petrasso, unfortunately, had a lot of injuries last year and this year. He's very injury-prone. I don't know what it is. I feel really bad for him because he would have – he's always the top player. Every game he plays, he's a top player. He gets injured comes back, is a top player. Like, you can never, you can never um, say that he's not going to be there for the team. The thing is that injuries. But I think uh, Bustos is a player to admire because his work ethic, he's not the biggest guy. So it's, it's, it's funny how such a – like, he's not a small guy. He's a buff guy, but he's a short guy, and he just pushes everyone off. And that's his dedication to the game because he knows he's a, he's a thing he probably lacked when he was younger. So he got buffed up. He's not a tall guy, but he got buffed up, and he uses that as an advantage, and you can see it in his game. Uh, Petrasso, great guy. I think one of the best guys that I talked to in Valor, we caught up a lot. We got to know each other a lot. Um, we had a lot of things in common. We knew the Octavio Sombrano, the coach for the, interna for the national team. 
but all those guys, I wish them all the best. They were a great uh, pinpoint in my career to meet those guys and learn from them. And I hope um, the best for them. That's fantastic. You're talking about Bustos. We were just talking about this earlier, how it's almost like the model of the Canadian Premier League, how the little guys like Tristan Borges is kind of the model player for the league from last year. And then Bustos this year, as well as our guy, Akeem. Um, Do you think that Canada has like that model? I know it kind of sounds like a weird question. We were already talking about like playing styles in Colombia and Uruguay and how it relates to Canada, but having played in the Canadian Premier League, what's really your, I, I suppose, opinion of the league, if you're going to try to sell it to somebody, what's some, what's kind of the summary of it? I think that the CPL is very physical to an extent. They, they try to be a lot, a lot physical, really physical, but games like Bustos and um, Tristan Borges, that they keep the ball, they dribble a lot. So I think the CPL still doesn't expect that. I think a lot of defenders and a lot of people in the league still think that it's hit and run, touch and go, or they're going to hit you or they're going to do this. So when those guys start dribbling and that one guy is not thinking that, oh, we're in Canada, we have to push, we have to hit, they get that leave that they get to just dribble around and do and get time to shoot or turn and stuff like that. So I think the Busto style and the Tristan Borges style really impacts in the CPL and a lot of other players that use the same style. So I think those players really shine because – the CPL still hasn't hit a ground on what kind of style they're playing. But in terms of support, most of the franchises did all right last year. I mean, maybe not at the gate, but especially away from the gate. I mean, we always joke about how York didn't have anybody in the stands, but they had a great support base. Um, talk about coming out to Halifax. I know you were just talking about you came out, you had coffee with, with Pere and all that other stuff, but playing in front of us, us crazy ass people and you heard a lot of us at the in the wharf giving you a little bit of a go the kids were telling you your shoes were untied (laughs) talking about your hair and all this other stuff but um like I said you were one of my favorite players to watch last year because of the way you absorb the crowd um so just talk about playing in Halifax and I guess your favorite place coast to coast I mean maybe it wasn't Halifax maybe it was Pacific just I guess talk about the match day experiences of the Canadian Premier League I think Halifax had the best stadium overall. Maybe not the stadium itself, but the fans and the way it was built. The, even they, they had a grass field that was amazing too. So, but I think the fans were great. I think that yelling and screaming at the players and telling them their shoes on the tire, whatever it is, I think that's part of the game. And I think that it should be like that everywhere because I think we need that authenticity in the game. That is, that's how it is everywhere else. Here in Colombia, they're not going to say, hey, your shoe's untied. They're going to wait for you. They're going to wait for you in the parking lot. So it's a little bit, it's okay that they're saying that, but we need to get to maybe obviously not brawls and fights, but we need that, that fan and player. Abuse? Yeah. yeah. It's an energy. It's an energy. That's it's an energy. A little bit of that vibe that you're kind of scared of your fans, you know? But I think that um, Halifax is the best stadium for sure, the, the, um, the crowd and everything. I think our fans at Valor were amazing. I think for the stadium for being so big and having such a small fan base in such a big stadium that they killed it. If they were in Halifax Stadium, I think they would have been the best because they were going crazy. and um, Or like a smaller stadium at, at which – but. Uh, my best place to play was probably Forge just because I have friends, family, everyone could make it out to that game. So I think that was my favorite place to play. That was actually my, my last question before handing it over to Anthony was what was it like 
playing in Hamilton. I mean, that must have been kind of a cool full circle experience for you. And now I know that your roots were a little more in Hamilton than they were in Oakville. Yeah. So talk about that. That must have been a really cool experience. That stadium, that Ford Stadium used to be the wine, I think, something wine. Um, Win or something. Yeah. yeah Iver Win. Iver Win yeah, Stadium. Yeah. And I played there with Fleet so many games. Like my whole life was at that stadium. So it was nice to be there. And I don't know if they moved it to the left a bit or I, th- I don't know if it's in the exact same spot, but I think it was pretty accurate. But I think because of Forge, they had a stadium in Hamilton that it made it easier for my brother and sister to come watch me play. And the first time we played there was the first time my brother, my sister, my nephew, and all my friends were able to see me play live as a professional player. My, my sister and my brother never came to Columbia because they were in Canada. And my mom and dad made it to some games in Colombia. I think like three games when I was in Deportivo Pereira. So it was just nice to have everyone together there. And after the game, taking pictures and signing autographs. And it was just, I think it's a moment every player has to go through. And if you don't go through it, then you're missing out because it's, it's a really special moment. Sadly, we lost, but it's okay. I think a lot of people lost to Forge last year, so there's no shame, man. And, and it's awesome that you, had, you got to have that experience because I think it was – kind of the bullet points of why this league was made was to give young Canadian kids an opportunity. And and for yourself, first generation family moving to this country, still not ever having that link. It happened in Canada. So it's a beautiful story, brother. And and, and I'm glad that your roots are here now. So uh, you you kind of mentioned there that like you you played with Bruce Dawes, LBG and Pichasso last year. It was an amazing team you had in in Winnipeg. Why do you think it didn't gel as well as it should have? I don't know because every the whole all the guys were very connected. I think we had a very good friendship through with everyone. I heard a lot of stories with other teams that in the change room. I think we had a very solid base. I just think that in, I just think that in the in the actual games we were a little disconnected of the of the players we had and the players that were helping out the team and who we based our players around. And I think we had a lot of switches in lineups too. But I don't know. I think. I think it was just finding our feet. I think we just didn't find our actual style. I think we found our style one game and then maybe changed the style of the second game. So I think we were always trying new styles. And then once we actually played games with one style, um, teams would come out playing differently and we would have to play differently. So we just couldn't find our feet. I think we had a lot of good moments and obviously a lot of very bad moments. But, I mean, you live and you learn. I think Rob learned a lot from it. So that's why this season he did a lot better. So I think that you just learn from it. And a lot of the players learn from it too. And Bustos, Louis, Petrasso, they went to different teams and they found their footing there. But I think that every team can find their chemistry. It just takes time, some more than other. But it's all right. So, so, so for yourself then, like, um, was there a reason why you didn't hang around in, in Winnipeg? Like, was it just you weren't offered a contract? Or was it like um, something that you wanted to go back to Colombia? Like, what was the, the reasoning? No, I had a, I had a one year contract. So after I was done, I went, I came back to Colombia because my parents were here. So I came back for Christmas and the plan was to go back to Valor and I was in talks with them and everything. And then the pandemic hit. So it made it very difficult to go back to Canada. And we had, um, we had flights, um, the government, uh, Canadian government had flights for us to go back, but I was never able to go because they were, they were going out of Bogota. And I wasn't able, it wasn't easy to leave Manizales at the time. And the very first times I was very scared because of the pandemic. So I didn't want to take my risk. I was like, okay, maybe we'll wait a bit. Maybe we'll, maybe things will get better to fly to Canada. 
even if it's like a government officiated fight, I was still very nervous because you still have to um, take a bus all the way to Bogota. And from Mali Salas to Bogota, it's eight hours in bus. Oh, Jesus. So you're going to be stopping at a lot of different cities. You're going to be stopping at a lot of different places. So it's hard to, I just didn't want to catch anything, you know, uh, for COVID uh, going back to Canada. So I just kind of put it on hold. I told Rob, okay, we'll see. Or maybe I'll try to go back soon. Another physically, uh, phys- ah, can't even talk. <laughs> another another um, government officiated flight. <laughs> and that um, is a tough one. I'm not even uh, like that. That government officiated <laughs> flight. Like I can't even. That's the first time, right? But now I can't say it anymore. Easier we're the end of talking. Don't worry. <laughs> government sanctioned flight. Let's go with that one. <laughs> So the flight, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just put it on hold for so long that the pandemic just kept getting worse and I didn't know it was going to keep getting worse. So then I wasn't able to go back to Canada and Rob had to get his roster all built. So we just kind of pushed it. He said he was going to have me in mind in case I could go back and everything, but I wasn't able to. So I got stuck here and then eventually my, um, my dad and my grandma got very, very sick and my dad had a very, very... Um, he had to get open heart surgery and he didn't, he didn't get it because, well, he's like 74 now. So he doesn't really want to get it. He doesn't want to go through the whole process of getting it, recovering and maybe not coming back from it. So when that hit, I was just like, you know what, I'll just take a year off. It doesn't really matter or how, or the Island games, whatever, how long it, it's lasting. So I just decided to stay here for good and start my Herbalife business, my uh, vlogs, um, doing a lot of coaching here too with some young guys. I have like a small group. Um, the fields are opening back up, so I'm coaching there. Uh, just get some extra money, and my business, Herbalife business, is doing good. So that's that's good, and just supporting my family here. But everyone's good now, and I hope to go back to the CPL or to see. I have a lot of options right now, but we'll see where I'm going. But I admire Rob, and I hope he still has me in mind for a lot of things in the future. It's awesome. We we actually um, we're interviewing him next Monday, so we'll put a word in for you. Okay, thank but, but, you. <laughs> so, so when you were just going back to the last question, I have just going back to the uh, the training camp with the the national team. But you said that junior high lit was there and and players like that. What is it when you're watching those guys? Can you see that's different? That you kind of need to get to the, that next level. Like, what is it about them? The way that they train and stuff like that that um, makes them top players. I think just their style of thinking in the game. So they know where the pass is going to go before they get the ball. Their movements are quick. Everything's just quick. I think they don't stutter on what they're thinking in their mind and what their feet are going to do. I think it's more just that. They're very focused. It's cool to see them goofing around before the game or the practice and just being all chitter-chatter with everyone. But once they get on the field, they just like switch in their head that they're on the field and they're doing things professionally. And it's just – I think I admire that, that – they're able to always put 100% in their game. And I think that what puts them from players where they're playing now and maybe CPL players are their consistency. Um, so having always playing at an 80% level game, 100%, but not varying from good game to bad game, good game to bad game. And I think that's what I and a lot of players have to change. Always be on a 100% level or at least 80. I think Rob always told us that you should always be at 80% or higher because it's hard to always be at 100%. It's, uh, it's great advice. Yeah. Um, Carlos, do you want to finish up there? Yeah. Um, just like uh, two questions. Um, very, very, very rushed. The first one is, uh, speaking of Canadian football, um, you play in Uruguay for Canadian NC. 
Um, it used to be a second division team. Now they're in, in the first amateur, which is kind of like third division. Yeah. Um, is that a club that is owned by Canadians? Because I always been fascinated by the name, and I thought that has some relation with Canada. It has, yeah. They're they're owned by Canadians, but they're in Uruguay. I'm pretty sure. I think the owners changed though, so I could be like when I was there. That's how it was. It was very Canadian officiated. Oh my yeah. god, I can't say that word. Let's just not say that word. <laughs> Trust me, bro. I'm an English major, and that's even a hard one for me. Yeah. And I and I'm, English the, class, like, I'm always speaking Spanish, so I feel like I. <laughs> but I think they're owned by a Canadian group but I don't think that they're owned anymore. I think they changed. So, but at the time it was very good because we had a lot of Canadian. Um, I think it was, uh, uh, um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was, uh, uh, I don't know the word, but it's, uh, I think it was a trainer that came mm -hmm. from Canada and he coached the women's national team uh, trainer for like uh, fitness trainer, fitness coach. Mm -hmm. He came and he brought a lot of, um, of his friends to work with Canadian soccer club at that time. So we had like everything, all the fitness gear, everything to, to get ready for the season. And it was cool to see that connection between Canada and Uruguay. So we had a lot of, a lot of buzz around the, the team because that was the very first year or I think the second year actually. They all need because uh, they could even explore plays for here, even the CPL, if, if there's that yeah. connection, you know, because um, I mean, they could, they can, Uruguay is a factory of players. And this is kind of like relates to my second question. Though. Speaking of playing, um, you're Colombian. Um, do you have your um, Canadian citizenship? I just want to know if you can play for the Wonders or something because you count as a <laughs> spot or not. I'm, I'm a Canadian citizen. And I'm okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, I like Halifax. I like the style of play. I love the city. I love, I love it there. So we'll see down the road. There you go, yeah, for I sure. I have a Colombian, um, Restrepo, I think he's Colombian, no? Yeah, Restrepo, actually, oh. he, he, I don't know, he's from Pereira, I think, his family is from, from, um, I don't know him personally, but I have friends that know him. But, yeah, no, yeah, he's, uh, he's, his family, he, he's from Toronto, actually, his family migrated to Canada, and then, like, you know, he, he's, he's playing, uh, Suras, nice guy. Which, which is good, yeah, super nice, he was, uh, um, he's kind of like, Good talent, like good future for him goes ahead. Go for it, Chris. Uh, just to close up, um, you were well. I guess I have a question really before to close up. You were saying your parents, or you said it was your father was sick and your grandmother was it? I'm sorry. Yeah, my grandma. Yeah, yeah. so you say everything's good now. Yeah, everything's good now because my Wonderful. my dad um he went my dad and my grandma literally got sick at the exact same time. My grandma wasn't as bad she had to get a surgery in her foot because she has bad circulation but my dad was very surprising at the middle of the night he started breathing very heavy and it was very scary because he's never had that before and we brought him to the um, to the hospital and i think a week went by that they told him that he had to get heart uh, open heart surgery and he doesn't want to get it he's from the military he's a veteran from here in the Colombian military so he's like, you know a tough guy i don't want to get surgery but he i i think at the time, I was like, no, you have to get it. You have to get it. Like, how are you not going to be able to live? And so now he's on a lot of medication. But at the same time, I think him getting the surgery could be even riskier. And he couldn't live his life as he would like. So I think at the end of the day, I think he, I want him to live a better life than a longer life, but not as good, you know? Mm -hmm. So we all, the whole family came to an understanding and we're all happy with the decision he's made. And he's going to Canada soon, actually. So he's going there for good. Um, I think next month he leaves. 
So he's going to be there reunited with my uh, my brother, my sister, and my niece, and my nephew. So it's good, yeah. It's going to be great for him. It's that's, good to know yeah. that. That's, that's fantastic. He needs to be close to family because I think we have more family there now than we do here. So I think he just needs to be surrounded with family, you know? Nice. Yeah. Well, to close it off before uh, Anthony actually closes it off, um, the blog, like Anthony mentioned at the start of the show, I guess what's to come um, content-wise? Like, I know you probably got some plans in your head. You don't want to really spoil what's to actually come in the future, but um, what really inspired you to do it full-time? Because I, I guess you've got how many episodes now? Three. So I yeah, start so like, every Monday, every Monday. I there you go. Them. There you go. So what's the, what's, I guess, the, the branch off from it? Are you going to start a, a competitive podcast with us? Or are you looking I've to- actually, I actually really love podcasts and I would like to start one, but I think I need to be in one place um, for a very long time or for at least, I yeah. Because so, if I started here in Colombia, then the people that I have talking in it, maybe I have to go to Canada and then it has to restart kind of thing. So I, I really want to start one, maybe three years, four years. But right now, my vlog channel, I want to do a lot of fitness stuff. I have a lot of collaborations um, with a lot of soccer players from here in um, Colombia, um, some different kind of bodybuilders, stuff like that. I want, I want to branch off in a lot of things. I mean, I still want to stay my channel um, soccer-wise and nutrition-wise, but I want to just do the fun video with a bodybuilder or the fun video with the CrossFit girl who I just did in my last video. And or a swimmer and stuff like that. So just really branch off in a lot of things. Fitness. I don't want to stay just soccer based. I think just my soccer career will speak for itself. And then my vlog channel is a whole different identity of me, you know, that people don't know. And I also just do for fun TikToks and uh, Instagram. And it's just a just different kind of vibes that I think everyone should experience, you know. That, that's good. And if you decide to make a podcast and when you invite a, a Valderrama and El Tino Spria, just let me know, man. That's going to be a blast. <laughs> Those two are like amazing, like super you funny. Dairo Moreno? Yeah. He signed Dairo for Caldas. Yeah. He signed for Caldas, so he's here now. So, Ooh, nice. Big things coming. Big things. So where um where, where we can if you can give us uh your handle like you know so the listeners can uh, hear you uh okay. what what are your handles for for TikTok uh YouTube everything you wanna for my YouTube channel it's just Nico Galvis so Nico and then my last name Galvis uh mm-hmm. for Instagram Nico Galvis ten and for TikTok I think it's I think it's Nico Galvis ten two so or I think just Nicholas Galvis. You can find me on there, but honestly, just please subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're starting big things, three episodes in, so it's only going up from here. Big things to come, big collaborations. Perfect. Chris, what's your uh, Tinder handle? So uh, <laughs> What? <laughs> no, no, just oh, God, bro. <laughs> Anthony, you need to cut that one out, man. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's weird, Carlos. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, you could, like, edit and make it say Twitter or something. I don't know. Maybe like, like, headphones. headphones. <laughs> oh, thanks. I don't know what to do with that. No, it's it's cool, though, Nico, because um, mm-hmm. like, we've, uh, over the last year and a bit, Camargo, what he's done with social media and stuff, it, it was kind of not um, – I shouldn't say disappointing because I feel like the league and, the, and a lot of the players in the league did really well with social media. But we didn't really see a lot of that actual stuff aside from Camargo. So I actually thought it was really cool that you're starting this, even though you're not in the Canadian Premier League anymore, just to see you – you've already laid out your ambitions with us, to see you want to share that with the world is fantastic, bro. So thanks for sharing it with us. Yeah, there's some videos definitely about the CPL. And I don't want to spoil too much, but hopefully when, if I'm back, then there's going to be cool videos because I think people need to learn what the CPL is like and how it really is. 
so we can get a lot of more people into it because I think people still, I mean, if you look up one soccer, you see all the games and everything and the stuff, but you don't really see how it is, how trainings are, how the whole organizations got built. So just all the behind the scenes, I think that people are really admiring a lot of young players that are thinking Italians, Mexicans that are like, Oh, what's this Canadian league about? I think that's going to help them a lot. Awesome. So, so just to finish up, uh, we normally just ask a couple of kind of quick fire-ish kind of questions. So uh, what's your favorite pair of boots you've ever owned? Oh, the Diodorus. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Alex, Alex, nobody said that yet. Has anybody said that yet? Uh, Alex the Corolla uh, said. Uh, yeah. Oh, I. Yeah. Oh, you know what? That's terrible of me too. That I forgot that. That's terrible of me. He's uh, finally though. I actually, I, I was got. Ha- I'm finally happy because I've never shared what my favorite pair of boots were. <laughs> the old black and golds. I don't know if you remember. I don't even know the name of the boots, but they were black and gold. And man, they were beautiful. Nike Mahistra. Oh, uh, Diodorus. Oh, the oh, Doras. So yeah, I, I like the, uh, the the right cane ones were nice. I had that kind of luminous, black and luminous. Uh, yeah, no, I know, I know which ones they are. I just didn't know they were the Doras because, yeah, 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 I know what they are. Um, so uh, if you're going to play in a five-a-side tournament, you can only play with players that you've played with yourself. Who would be in your team? Any that I've played with in any, any team? Yeah, any team. And you don't have to pick a goalkeeper if you don't want to. Everybody, everybody asks that question. Do I need a goalkeeper? So I just thought I'd just let you know the rules. <laughs> oh, no goalkeeper, but I've had to pick for well, myself Rafael Ojin, uh, Diego Gutierrez. Here in Colombia, I played with, um, I had a center back. His name is Joy Ver Gonzalez. I would pick him from Pereira, good friend of mine. And. Jace, Jace Kostopoulos, he plays. He played for York Nine this year, but he played last year for Forge. Great friend of mine too. And I think that's it. That's five. Yeah, right? yeah it's a pretty solid team, man. Pretty solid team. Yeah. And then uh, last question, then, um, what's the favorite jersey you've ever played in? My favorite jersey? Yep. Probably Deportivo Pereira. Nice. Yeah. Love it, uh, mm-hmm. Carlos. What are your top three midfielders that you admire in like- the world? In the world, yes. Currently or in the past, what are your three biggest inspirations? Um, midfields, Iniesta, probably one of my favorite midfields. Mm-hmm. And then after that, no, he didn't play midfield, but if just core midfields, um, Pirlo, Iniesta, and Xavi. What a shitty players. What? <laughs> man, they're so good. <laughs> so elegant, like Pirlo, man, the king of the pass. It's just like yeah. one touch, boom. Exactly. Pirlo showed that you don't need to be fast and you don't need to be quick to play soccer. That guy gave the passes and he didn't make dirty the cleat. He was yeah. pouring raining and I don't know how, like the guy was just so elegant. <laughs> my, buddy, my buddy used to say he painted. He never played. He painted. Like, he stood yeah. there past, like, he, he just so calm. And that was his, his nickname was the artist, I think so. What was that, Nico's story? I don't even think he broke a sweat while playing. No. The, hair was, the hair looked the same post-match as it did pre-match, man. That's crazy. Solid player. Go for it, Chris. Good guys make it look easy. Well, that's the truth, man. Uh, getting yourself hyped up for a match. What's your pre-game meal? Pre-game meal, that depends. If it's with the club, then it's what they give us. So it's usually pasta. But I think my pre-game meal would always be pasta. I think that I went to Italy a lot when I was younger, so I always learned that after before a game, you should always have pasta or the night of. But I think always pasta, yeah. 
Uh, musically, pregame song. Is there like an artist or is there like a specific song type of music that gets you hyped up? I used to a lot of like, uh, like a lot of EDM music back in the day, but now I like more rap. But I don't have a favorite song that I listen to every time. I think whatever I'm listening to that week, that I, a new song that came out, it would just be that song. So how was the locker room run with the music? Because I know here at the Wanderers, they rotated. But I know this year, I think Gems is pretty much running the whole music show. So how did you guys do that last year in the locker room? Like, did you guys have the music blaring or was Rob yeah. singing in the corner? No, we had the music we had, we had the music blaring, but we had a lot of Spanish music because Diego, Diego from uh, Valor, he always wanted to have the aux, like uh, the Bluetooth. So he would always put Spanish music, and I would always love it because it's Spanish music and stuff like reggaeton and stuff like that, or trap. But a lot of the guys were like, oh, my God, we want rap. We want a boogie. We want little Bird, <laughs> stuff like that. So I think it was a lot of taste and styles. But I think we always we had always uh, Spanish music because we always wanted the the Bluetooth. <laughs> <laughs> nice, that's awesome. And to close up, um, superstition wise, before a game, is there something? I know I was just asking like all these other different ones, but like I used to be a left sock before right sock kind of guy. Like, is there something you do before a game to get yourself in that zone? Uh, not really. I just kind of do a little prayer in my head and just kind of think about what I'm going to do on the field. But superstitions like that, no, I just always have that little prayer in your head right before you go in or just a little second that you're by yourself, just a small prayer and stuff like that. But nothing, nothing else. Awesome. Go ahead, Anthony. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, so thank you so much for joining us, man. It's been a lot of fun. It's uh, given us some great insights there. Um, we can't wait to see you back Hopefully playing here in Canada, man. It's going to be good. Maybe maybe in Halifax. Who knows? Um, but yeah, take care down there, man. I'm glad that your dad's okay. And uh, we look forward to seeing more of your uh, YouTube stuff, man. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah. Thanks, buddy. Have a great night. Thank you, Thank you guys so much. Take care. So um, welcome to this second part of the Down the Pub podcast. Uh, I'm joined by uh, Carlos as we just look back on our game against Pacific. Um, it was a bit of a tragedy, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but we kind of expected that. Like, obviously, nobody wants to be hurt for the final. And we kind of played a few backup players. So I didn't expect us to lose 5-0, but I didn't expect us to really win either. So um, this is going to be a tough Pie review, I think, Carlos. What do you think? I think it's going to be really, really tough because it was what I was expecting as you. I wasn't expecting a winning, but I also wasn't expecting an embarrassment <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in that no. result. You know? like, the, the first yeah. half was horrible. Um, all right, so let's get down to it. Um, yeah, uh, so we might as well do this kind of quickly because, I mean, it's, it's kind of unfair. as It was kind of like a dead rubber game. But um, anyway, uh, Jason, what did you give Jason? Um... Five pies. I I kind of agree. Like his distribution was a little bit off, um, and there's a couple of, I, and I think that's just rustiness and probably um, just nerves because obviously the last game. I feel I feel that he got a little bit unlucky too because 
you know, I was expecting a defeat for sure. It's not that I don't trust the team. It's just the fact that we were playing fresh legs and it's good for the players that always been played, that, that had been playing the whole tournament. And it's good for the kids. The young lads needs some minutes. So I was excited to see that, you know, because it's good for them. You know, they've been in the team. They deserve some minutes. I was happy to see that. But uh, on the other hand, like when you are like two down the first half, as a keeper, you start getting a little bit nervous and the psychology start affecting you, right? So then yeah. he was doing mistakes. There were a couple chances that uh, the team didn't score, but he went out unnecessary. He should have stayed in his box, and that was part of the nervousness, I guess. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. I think five was the first score. So um, uh, Mr. Ruby next. Um, I gave him – it wasn't his greatest game, to be perfectly honest, but um, it, was a, it was a tough – so fast because they were putting us under so much pressure and their their wings like um mr herd uh from pacific had a great game so he's putting a lot of pressure on on jake um and i don't think he got as much cover as he should have from uh omar anyway uh, i'm gonna give him six i think that's the fair score i think he had a pretty decent game what do you think i think he played good regardless regardless uh the circumstances of the match he played good to me um, I'll give him seven. Nice. Um, I think he played good, you know, but there's nothing he can do. He cannot take the whole team. You know, you're losing like 5-0, 4-0, 3-0. There's nothing you can do. Like, it's going to affect you mentally somehow. But he had a good game. Like, he he didn't have an outstanding game, but to me, he was good. And it, it makes me feel that if Ensa, knock on wood, gets injured, I hope not, Rube is going to be there and he's going to deliver. I think that we find our second right back and yeah. it's good. I think so too. Uh, so moving on to uh, debutant Luke Green. Uh, Luke is 17 um, and this is his first ever game at this level and he got caught out for the first goal. Um, but that's just, that's just experience. You know, like, like Terran Campbell's an experienced player at this level um, and he, he just... He, he just got caught out. Um, I, I'm going to give him six pies. I think uh, like he kind of settled in a little bit more. Uh, I'm trying not to be too harsh on him. Uh, so six pies. I'll give him five. To be honest, um, he was called up because Santos didn't arrive, right? Yeah. So that was, that, that's the thing. So I feel like this is the thing. I don't want to be harsh on him because he's only 17. He's going to – I feel like he needs a lot of – he needs to burn faces, a lot of burn, – uh, to burn more faces. He, he has talent. Yeah. That kid has talent. But it wasn't a game for him at all. But we didn't have any center back, right? Santos wasn't here. And also, remember, um, Scotty Firth was very young last season. And he delivered. So I don't blame on the age. I blame on the circumstances of the talent development. Uh, I know there are different positions, but um, Scott Fair, when he made his debut, he was very young and he delivered for the few minutes that he has. So I was expecting the same for Luke and he didn't surprise me. I don't, I don't want to be harsh on him, but... I, I think as well, though, like, I mean, he was kind of like a last minute... Like, mm-hmm. call, like he wasn't expecting to be called up. Whereas I think Scott had a bit of a better preseason last year because he got to play in some some games and stuff like that. So I mean, yeah, like five six, I think is a fair score. And as we said, we're not trying to be too harsh on him because mm-hmm. at the end of the yeah. day, you know, he's just starting now. Moving on to the wall, I think this is, I, th- I think this goes to show you how much Peter and Gems 
or work together <laughs> because these two didn't work very well together. <laughs> and I, I really think that Gem, Gems needs Peter and Peter needs Gem. So I, I think um, it was, wasn't his greatest game, man, to be honest. Uh, I'm going to give him a six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gems, uh, I think he was burned out a little bit with because uh, he's been playing like Peter every game. Um, one of the goals was his mistake. Um, I see him doing crazier stuff than he does on the pitch, and he saved those. I was surprised a mistake like that happened. I would expect it from our defender that he was there, uh, making his debut, but not Peter, uh, not um, uh, James Defarge, you know. Um, I feel like he was more, he was, his mind was more focused on the final and the tired legs start showing. So I give it that. I'm going to give him five pies and a half. That's, that's a pretty good, uh, it's a pretty good score, man. Like, yeah. I think it, like the, the back line had a, had a rough night, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Mr. The Carolists, um, this, <laughs> I, I, I I couldn't even watch the game back. Like normally, I watch the game like two or three times to try and be um, like to, to to have a better idea of the game. I just couldn't watch this shit back again. It was awful. Uh, yeah, poor Alex got like um, he got he got hooked at half time, and I think that they said on one soccer being nice. I think they said that uh, he was taken off as a tactical thing. Just, I don't think that Stephen wanted. Mateo to be playing in that game at all, to be perfectly honest. I think Mateo is like uh, probably gonna be our starter against Forge. And I just yeah. think that I just think that Marco Bustos was just on it. And uh, he poor Alex was the one who ended up having to play against him and he was just at another level. So um I'm gonna give Alex a five. I'm gonna give Alex five. Um don't try to be harsh on him, but he's the captain. I was expecting to have a little bit more vocal. Um, attitude against against the team, you know. If you gotta yell, yell. Like doesn't mean whatever happens in ninety minutes. You gotta be hard with somebody. Is your teammate? It's for his own good. This is how it is. Football, right? We've been watching it for a while. Doesn't have to be like guys. Come on, like you know. You gotta make that authority sometimes to make them wake up because we were kind of sleepy. We were with the qualifying final Hanover, all the team, and I think that our mindset was over there. Um, I feel in defense of Alex too. Uh, and this is, I'm going to raise Sissoko later. I'm not Sissoko, um Kinumbe. But I feel like Alex have to pay the consequences of the open gap that Kinumbe left. And who who was on that side? Marco Bustos, one of the best players of the whole tournament and the whole oh, league. Man. And if you give Bustos space, you are fucked. Pretty much, and that's what happened to Alex. And I feel like after they scored the second goal, the score also getting into his head, and he got frustrated and everything. But this is the moment that you gotta be mentally strong as, as a captain, you know. But I know it was, as I'm saying, maybe it was a qualifying final Hanover that that whole mindset of the team was that way. So five pies for him. Yeah, like I um, I, I think as well, like. People are downplaying Bustos a little bit, um, which I don't understand at all because obviously this they said this is a dead rubber game and blah, blah, blah. But throughout the whole tournament, he's just been a step above a lot of people in, in the tournament and he's a really good player. And I just think that anybody coming up against him in that sort of form would have struggled. So, I mean, 
Yeah. But we let them. We, we we let him play too. Oh yeah, like, uh, we faced the Pacific before, and, and we know, and we have faced the Valor before, and we know how to manage Bustos tactically. It's not Stephen Hartford rodeo against Marco Bustos, you know. So, yeah, but but like sometimes people just deliver, right? So yeah. Anyway, so um, yeah. So let's move on to our next uh, person. Uh, we've got done the back line, so let's move into midfield. Um, let's start with with Daniel, as you were just talking about him there. What did you give Daniel? Oh, Daniel Kinumbe? Yep. Four buys. I think I don't want to be harsh, but I think I was, I was hoping so much for him. Um, I wanted to, I was looking forward to see him in this match. And I feel like he left so much gap for Bustos. He was just constantly going to to the middle. I'll give him four, four buys and a half, to be honest. Okay. But... Um, I was. I feel like if it was a match to prove that he was quality and he could be the he could deliver and say, "Hey, I'm here. Would you guys need me?" Was against Pacific. Regardless, the final result. You know, who were losing two zero one zero. That's fine. But you know, look what Cream did with his limitations and the score didn't reflect the amazing game that he had. I was expecting the same for Kinumbe, and unfortunately, he didn't again. I know it's not his position, but if you got to try at least, you know, because I know it's not, a, it's, it's, it was a game that it didn't matter, so, but because the fact that it was a game that it didn't matter, at least try to make it work in the position that you're not adapted, right? If it was yeah. a, a game for points, I get it. But if it was a position, it was a game that it was kind of like a sparring game to give minus to the young lads, go ahead, man, try your best. Like if you're putting that position, just try it and see, and then talk to the coach. The thing know? is though, like, I mean, you go into these, you go into these games, and you want to give Stephen um, decisions to make when it comes to the final, right? So this mm-hmm. is your chance to go out there and show what you can do. And I just think that um, I, I don't want to be harsh on him either, to be perfectly honest. He's a young lad and he's just like starting out. And But it, it wasn't that whole side we were destroyed. Like uh, like Chung and Bustos like, were just killing us. Um, and yeah... I, I'm going to give him five points. I, I, I think it, we, we said enough already. I don't want to keep harping yeah. on about you. As we said, it was kind he, of He has talent, though. Like, yeah. if you see he, some he, of the hints he throw, he can penetrate the box. He's very talented. So, so uh, what was uh, what was your score for, for Scotty? Scotty? There's a thing about Scotty, though. Scotty, you can tell when Rampersat gets sub in, it was a different Scotty. When he was a Scotty in LBG, I can tell that Scotty hasn't fully adapted to play alongside with LBG. And I saw him doing a lot of mistakes, not many, but a little bit. I think it was part of the nervousness, but he was trying his best to do it. One rampers that came in, I feel that a different Scotty came in, even the one better that I saw last year. He conceded three falls. And one of those three falls, it was that Joao free kick that he went to the goalkeeper hands. So it was like kind of like a transformation, kind of like the same effect that we see on Alex Marshall when he gets swapped to the left and he's been playing with the right. I saw the same thing with Scott Fur playing with LBG and then playing with Rampy. So for Scott Fur, I'm going to give him six pies and a half. I'm going to give him six pies. Um, I, I think it was solid, if not spectacular, afternoon and um, same thing again like I mean it's it's tough coming into to that when you haven't played that much I mean I know you played a few minutes here and there but it's tough coming into 
these sort of games when you haven't uh, been playing. You know what I mean? It's uh, mm-hmm. like like Pacific were up for this one. They wanted to go home with a win, and they were up for it. And they wanted to ruin the party for yeah, us. For sure. And a lot of and a lot of air players were kind of, as I said, like not wanting to go in for tackles and you know what I mean like obviously just to kind of you've got a final um so yeah six points for me I think Scotty was pretty solid uh let's move on to the enigma that is LBG um I I feel I feel really bad that I'm constantly harping on about this guy um but I think he had a pretty good game if not again spectacular was pretty solid he just hasn't shown enough for the tournament. Um, and I feel really bad for him because he's a super nice guy and he's a class player because we all know what he's capable of. Um, I just don't think he's reached the levels that he knows he can get to. And it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, I feel bad for him. But um, yeah, it's six. I think he had a pretty, you know, he played. I'm he gonna, has, I'm going to give LVG seven pies, actually. I like him how he play. Um, in this match, regardless of the result, I think he was good. I don't know what people were like criticizing him because it's unfair. Uh, and I know I've been giving him low pies, but this is a reality. Like, how you come to the last match that doesn't matter to start criticizing him, all the poor development, the whole, the, the, the whole tournament, you know? Um, I understand that. And I get it, but we're analyzing the game in the specific and the game against specific. I wish that it was a better result because I feel like if we were winning or we went tight in or we were losing one zero or nothing, it will probably encourage him to play better than he was playing already. To me, he didn't have a bad game. To me, I agree that the whole, that sometimes we were expecting more of him because we are getting to use the LBG that we saw in Balor. But to me, I've been seeing an LBG with a new style of playing that he went to zero to more. But we know that the, that he can give us not 50%. We know that we we know that LBG can give us more than a hundred percent if that exists. But that's what I mean. To me, he had a good game, so seven pies for LBG. Okay, um moving on to Omar. Um he, he was kind of called a he was said to be the man of the match by the guys on one soccer. Um, I, I think he had a pretty a pretty good game, to be honest. Um, I'm going to give him seven pies. I'm going to give Omar eight pies um, because I think he had an outstanding game. And regardless of that, um, he is going to give Stephen Hart um, questions about the final. You know, maybe he's not going to be in the starting 11, but definitely he's going to be perhaps the first option to sub in according to how it's going to be the game. And remember, those Forge Halifax Wonders matches are very, very close. You know, you sometimes you got to open. They're like the two times we face each other, we've been tied by, a, by one goal. So that's going to give you thinking, right? And last season too, we got one, We they beat us once, then we beat them once, and then we tied, I think. So yep. it's kind of like, we're kind of not a little bit of a headache for them, you know? So Stephen Hart, I'm sure the Bobby Semiotics um, was going to read us pretty well because he's going to check all the times that we face each other and it's been the same results. So I think that Stephen Hart has to give us something extra. He needs to add more condiments into his soup for this final, something that we haven't seen before that is going to work to get the result and get that title that we want. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so moving on to uh, Ibra, what did you think of Ibra's performance? 
I think I give Ibra six buys. I feel like Ibra is not a player for a two for a two striker system at all. I think that he needs to be outside, like he needs to be solo there. I feel like he struggled in the system that he was put on because I see him like towards to the right where he was supposed to play, but then he was always in the middle because he's adjusted to play as a solo player, you know, as a as a nine, as a as a solo nine. So I feel like he struggled about the, for the system, and there were times that he could finish it, but he was in that position that he wasn't supposed to. And every striker can score from any part, you know. That's how we need to work him up, and I think he has all the talent to make it. Um, he's putting in the right position as a solo nine, you know, like a four-two-three-one, a four-three-three. I feel like Ibra will benefit from that system because you have a, a, a false nine on a number ten behind that feed him with all those balls because he has the size, he has the movements. He just need to be pulled off a little bit more. It wasn't a game for 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 in that system, but I think that overall six plays for him. Uh, I. I... I, I gave him a five. I, I just don't think that he was at the races, to be honest. I just think that um, you, you're right in the in the fact that the the system probably didn't suit him as much. But yeah, like uh, the part of the problem was that we just didn't have an outlet a lot of times when we had when we did have the ball and it was just came boomeranging back to us. Um, so yeah, um, I'm going to give him five pies. Um, so then our good friend, uh, the Samba magician, um, he hit the post. So he he tried manfully. Um, I think he had a, a, another pretty decent game. I just don't think our, our press was working because it just seemed kind of half-hearted. Uh, he was but, the uh, only one pressing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't so, see anyone. And, and that's when you're the only one pressing, like, come on, like you need support, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give him a, a, a six. Um, just, it was, yeah, like a lot of people was just... just I'm giving him, I'm giving him six. Uh, because I mean, yeah, he he individual. He's an individual player. He's 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 amazing. But come on, like there's opportunities that I saw him like two times that he could just pass it to Ibra, and he just tried to make it the perfect shot from the outside. I don't know. He was thinking about ruining uh, Bustos' goal. Perhaps that happened. You know. Because Bustos is, is, is it's not a competition between Joao and and Marco Bustos. I think he was thinking more and no, like he's gonna ruin the party for Akim. You know, I was behind him. I'm gonna just like overstep. I think he was thinking that. I don't know. I'm, I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there were a couple chances that he could easily pass it to Omar or Ira, and they probably create a chance, a set piece, or maybe a goal, and he didn't. So that's why I'm giving him six buys. So then, uh, substitute wise, we had a, a, a triple substitution. We had uh, Mateo come on for Alex, Corey come on for Ibra, and Chris No come on for James. Um, Mateo come on. I think he steadied the ship an awful lot. I think he uh, Bustos was a lot quieter in the second half, and I think that was a lot down to mm-hmm. uh, Mateo. And I'm gonna give him hmm, six. I think I think. To be honest with you, I, I, there's nobody on the team I think that that deserves a lot of poise in this one, and I think that we stuck to his task. He played a half a game in football, so six I think is the first score. Um, what do you give him? I'm giving uh, Matteo six and a half. I think we saw 
an embarrassing result, final result, but at the same time, we see that Mateo is a will samurai out there. He's a warrior. And uh, once he came in, we know that we have our left back already in the team. I think such a young fella proves so much, and he's been featured in the Gatorade team, team of the week uh, two times. Uh, that guy has a lot to prove, you know, and, and he, he just done a fantastic, so I'm giving him six pies and a half. Also, um, I feel like I'm keep telling you, Mateo needs a goal to make him stand out from all the, the rest left backs. I don't want to be crazy to name it, but if Mateo adds goal into his uh, repertoire, he's going to be the best left back in the league. I can guarantee you that. That's fair. Um, I, I, it's, <clears throat> I just think it's probably a little bit kind of maybe a little bit harder in this system, but you're right though. I think for the whole team, like we need to take shots from outside the box sometimes. You know what I mean? Like it's, it mm-hmm. doesn't always have to be slip the ball in, you know, like uh, I think the only one who, who tries to is probably Joe, um, wherein they really should be all have, trying to have a go. So uh, what did you give um, Corey? Corey Bent? Yeah. Ah, I gave him six. To be honest, like I was expecting to be First of all, he, what position did he play when he got in? <laughs> I didn't figure that out. It was I, I, like Kinumbe last, last match, not, not this one, the, the previous one. I feel like he, uh, he was probably playing a little bit like the way Akeem's role. I think he was playing kind of a, as a forward. Um, I don't like Corey Ben as a forward. I honestly thought yeah. that when he came in that he would be an option. And I think he's very similar in, in style to, to Akeem, but it's, it's the same thing again. Like he hasn't played like any games as a forward yeah, at this mm-hmm. level. And I know that like, I, I know that uh, like you sports is a, is a really decent level, but this is just that next one. Right. And um, mm. it's hard to get used to. Um, so yeah. Like uh, what did you give him? Like say six, seven. I'm giving him six. Uh, this is what I'm thinking that maybe for next season, we need a number nine. I know we have Ibra. I know we have Akeem. But this is when we could have used our third striker, you know? Yeah. Something like Calvary did with uh, Marcus Haber, you know? Like that, you got that it was... there. You know, you, you, you need that, 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 that kind of a striker that's going to be there hunting and making everybody crazy. Maybe something that we might need for next season. Yeah, big time. And I, I think uh, I'm going to be Corey Six as well. But I think that mm. – I think I mentioned it like the last time. I think that was <laughs> such a smart move by – by Tommy Wielden to, to, to bring him in that it just gives mm-hmm. them that extra option when they're a, a goal behind or if you want to play it's a little bit different um, so then Chris Snow came in and he played centre half and I think that he, uh, he he had a really good game actually um, there was um, you could tell he was a little bit rusty in that position but I think he did <laughs> I think but I think he, I think he once again just like uh, Mateo like he, he steadied the ship an awful lot back there um, so I'm going to give him six points as well I'm going to give uh, Chris no six point and a half. I, I agree with you. He was super rusty. And it's weird because he's a fullback. And now he's been playing the whole season as a right back. And it's really weird to me right now seeing him as a center back. I know he can deliver. He can do it. But we didn't have other center backs like Santos wasn't here, right? So that's why he had to assume and work in that role. You know, that's how how show how unified this team is. But he was rusty, and I can't believe I'm saying this because that's his natural position, and now he's used to play as right back. So six <laughs> points and a half for him. 
That that makes sense. Um, and then the last one we're going to do because Alex came on around the seventy minute mark and. No. Um, it don't really want it. It's not really much point in rating them. Uh, so then we had Rampy come on for LBG. It was like the last twenty minutes, I think. Um, of all Rampy's um performances so far, this was probably his worst one. Um, he you could just tell he didn't want to get injured. <laughs> he come on yeah. and he, he like he was still heading the head and shoulders above most of the players that we had, but um, he, he mm. was definitely going through the motions and I wouldn't blame him. Like being thrown in like the last like half an hour, it was half an hour actually he played, like the last half an hour, like I can understand why he wouldn't be going full-blooded into a 50-50 challenge because he wants to miss the final, right? So I, I think um, that the, the player to make the, the balance, you know, in the team, I'm used to balance, I'm thinking like, I don't know, whatever, but the balance of the team was Mateo. When he yeah. came in, and, and uh, but this is this is a rampy topic, but th- this is what I mean. When Rampy came in, you had Scotty Fear that wasn't having a great match, but somehow miraculously he got illuminated by the football gods. Somehow he started having a great match, maybe because he's been he's comfortable playing with Rampy. They've been teammates last last yep. uh, last season. They've been in training. They train together. They're paired together because they're the same position. Sometimes you know. Maybe that's the confidence that he needed for this kind of game against Pacific, especially because they were nailing us with so many goals. However, I think that Rampy didn't have a great match because I agree with you. He was just thinking in the final. But you got Mateo, that he was the balance in this game. And then you have an improved uh, Scott Fair that kind of overshadowed the bad performance of Rampy. And I feel like... Rampy was like again thinking in the final. Um, he was protecting his legs, and I don't know. I feel like he could give us a little bit more. You don't have to give us a lot, but just give us more that you that you perform because we were getting nailed, you know. Unless if the score was four two, I can take a four two over a five zero. Yeah, anytime. So I'm gonna give Rampy. Five pies. Yeah, I, I, I think um, it was it was another just really felt like he's going through the motion. So yeah, I'm gonna give him five as well. I, I think as I said, it was probably his poorest thing, but I can totally understand why. You know, it's like nobody wants to miss this. Like in such a short short time that the Wonders have uh, existed, this is the biggest game in their history and um, nobody wants to miss it right so um, so yeah so I mean like looking forward to the game on Saturday uh, we'll be at the Wanderers ground again seeing so that they've opened the back up again uh, socially distance with our fellow fans uh, watching this, the screens and it's supposed to be like a lot colder this time so hopefully the beer will keep me warm um, what do you think of our chances? Um, based on this they're normally tight games and I hope that Stephen Hart is having a plan C, not a plan B, because plan B is whatever he wants to put tactically. I trust him. It's the final. We got to give it all. If we were giving 100%, we got to get more for the final. But plan C, I'm talking about penalty shootouts, because remember, it's not going to be extra time. And we tend to be a defensive team, and if we hold a zero, I hope not. I don't want to go to penalties, because penalties is a lottery. And we're going to have a duel of the two best keepers in the CPL. Because uh, the keeper of Forge, it's been unknown for keeping clean sheets. And 
you know, he's one of the best keepers in that. And Christian Oxner is a good penalty blocker. So I don't know what's going to happen, to be honest, but I'll give – I want to take a win. I don't want to go to penalties. So my score for the game will be 2-0. We win. What about you? Um, uh, obviously, Forge played in the final last year, so they have a slight upper hand on us. Um, and um, – they had a, a pretty decent game against Calvary. I think they played really, really well. Um, I think you're, you think you're right, though. I think it's going to be a very close game. Um, I, I honestly think that we'll score. Um, I think they were cap- more than capable of doing it. But it depends on how how we reacted. We score early like the last time, and we played the way we did the last time. It, there's always that danger that they're going to score. You know what I mean? But um, if we sit it's, back it's, and back yeah, and back. This is how we mentally, we have to be strong because if we, go, if we score a goal early, I don't want the intensity to be, I don't, I don't want the team to be dropped back. If we had to, if, if we got to be hungry. Yeah. And yeah. I don't want, I don't want a defensive team, but we, you got, we got to be defensive when we have to. But at the moment that we have to attack, we have to. And if there's options, you know, we're a team, we show that we're a team. I like that we are not the favorite ones. Like we probably have the best supporters in the league, but being the best supporters in the leagues doesn't guarantee you winning titles. Goals guarantee you yeah. winning titles. And I love the fact that we're the underdog. I love that all the pressure is on Forge too, because they are the ones that have the pressure of being uh, two-time champions consecutive, right? Yeah. And for us, the pressure is we got to win that because it's, we're going to make history. I trust the lads. We're gonna do good. I, I I think so too, and I think that um, uh, we have a, a pretty good bench if we need somebody to come off and and, and do something for us. So I I think um, we're gonna win probably probably two one. Um, if not, it'll be one one and go to penalties, and um, Joe Morelli will score the winner. <laughs> I I think it's just, it's just calling for him to be the winner. So I think Joao is gonna give the assist. I think Rigi is gonna score. And Akeem was going to score the goal that was going to give us the title. He's been doing history for this club. He scored our first goal. He's been amazing. He was a top scorer last time. Akeem never let me down. And we had some Twitter interaction, you know, when I got rant, when I did my rant about Akeem shouldn't be benched, he went to the bench, he scored. And I don't know if Akeem listens to this, but I know Akeem never lets me down, man. I, I, I trust him and I know he's going to give us a, the title. He's going so, to score um, that goal. So we'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, in Akeem, we trust. Um, let's hope yeah. for a Wanderers victory on Saturday. Um, hopefully we get to see most of the people down at the Wanderers ground. Uh, it was a great time last week. They really put on a, a great show. And um, I'm really looking forward to uh, being around good people, having good fun, um, watching Denton go nuts it's probably the funniest thing I've ever seen and let's need go to get drunk <laughs> yeah let's go win that microwave plate uh, so yeah Carlos uh, thanks Emil um, for your insights and come on you wanderers come on you wanderers you've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast recorded in Halifax Nova Scotia head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode until next time cheers cheers